0: Welcome to Q and A Selling Online, with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur Quinn Amorm. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Today, our guest is Jacob. He's a former software engineer, and he's the founder and CEO of a company called Cloud Sponge. Together with his team, Jay has helped thousands of e-commerce store owners optimize their word-of-mouth sales since 2010. Yes, you heard it right. It's like word of mouth. That is one of the most precious uh, techniques that I love. Jay is also an expert in helping e-commerce stores build the right features to reduce your customer acquisition and increase sales. That's what we all want. So Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Quinn. It's a pleasure having you here, and uh, we just talked off off the air a little bit. That I saw that you were in California, but you studied here next door to where I am, uh, and you told me the stories that you grew up here in in Alberta, right? That's right. Yep, Calgary. Mm-hmm. So, what made you leave? Was it the business opportunity, or did you get sick of the cold weather? <laughs>
1: yeah both, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, no, it was a job actually. i left I left when I was about twenty one. Okay. Um, at the time, I had a pretty rare software development experience or skill. Mm-hmm. I was um, I, I had about eighteen months of experience writing the operating system and device drivers for smart card accepting devices okay like not a thing that you go to school for you kind of go to school for the principles and then you got to figure it out by reading a lot of manuals and stuff um so you know the the company i worked for in calgary you know didn't work out and they ended up selling all their assets and stuff to a company down here in in california and they you know that company offered all of us contracts and so i took it i was 21 and i was like perfect time to take a risk and go do something crazy uh and so i I went for it.
0: Nice. So software development, was it kind of your your passion or was it just the job that you got and it happened?
1: Uh, I guess you could call it a passion. Yeah. I mean, I was good at it. I was good at it starting in like, you know, middle school. Uh, and my dad always encouraged it when I was a kid. And so I kind of did it as a hobby. So by the time, by the time I was taking like, you know, computer science classes in post-secondary, I was already pretty good at it, <laughs> so um, it was a hobby and, you know, I enjoyed it, so I guess it was i guess it was a passion. I never really thought about it that way, but I guess it was, yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah, I see you said you, your dad encouraged it. I actually had, a, my dad used to make fun of me because uh, he used to see me on the computer and he had no idea. And, and until the day he died, he, he knew nothing about technology. He had no idea what could be done. So he used to make fun of me that I was just wasting my time there pressing those keys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you know, my old man was a, you know, he was a blue collar welder, um, but he, I got to give him credit, right? Like in the in the mid 80s or whatever it was, maybe late 80s, um, when he saw like computers being sort of retail, like things that you could buy at London Drugs or whatever the, you know, the stores where they bought computers back then, he immediately saw something in it. I don't think he understood it, but he thought he knew it was big. He was like, this, this computer thing, whatever it is, like, you need to, you need to spend time on it. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. so he just bought one and, you know, we just goofed around with it and, you know, got used to it. And he he had no idea, like, he wasn't like clairvoyant about where things were going to go with it, other than just being pretty certain that, It was an important invention, right?
0: Yeah, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Do you still code today or you just just give it to somebody else?
1: Uh, I can read code, you know, I can kind of fuddle through it. I don't spend my time doing any software development anymore. Um, You know, at this point, I'm more entrepreneurial and, you know, working with, I, I do a lot of like recruiting and Training and product strategy and marketing and sales and all the other stuff that comes comes along with being um, a founder CEO. Uh, so not not a lot of time to actually get you know focused on programming anymore.
0: And your company is Cloud Sponge, correct?
1: That's right. Yep. Uh,
0: all right. So what is Cloud Sponge and what does it do? So the the
1: core of Cloud Sponge, the thing the thing that sort of everything gravitates around. Is integrations with all of the world's address books. Okay. So just think think about all the places where people store their contacts. Google contacts, Yahoo contacts, outlook.com contacts, Office 365, AOL, iCloud, you name it, right? So even I, the weird ones like Proton Mail and some of them, yeah. Some of the some of them come and go, right? I like the ones that are like ISP specific. But nowadays, those ISPs oftentimes are powered by one of the ones I just listed. Mm, yeah. It'll look like Proton Mail, but it's powered by Office 365 in the background or whatever. So from our perspective, it looks very similar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones I just listed are mostly like the north North American ones that are popular. And believe it or not, like AOL is still. There. It's still in the list. There's still a you know material amount of activity with people that use AOL. Uh, but then we have, we have a bunch of other ones that are popular in other countries, right? So. Brazil, and Germany, and South Korea, and India, and China, and various places around the world, they have kind of, you know, different ones that are popular. And over the years, we've been doing this now for 12 years. So over the years, our customers have sort of demanded or requested different ones that we didn't support. And we've just basically built them all over this time. And so we have this engine that is already integrated with all those different places. And our customers can benefit from that they basically sign up and we we can provide all of those integrations in like a normalized way a way where all the data looks the same and they don't have to do individual integrations with each of these things Mm -hmm. they just do one integration with us and then um those address books is basically being provided by their users so we're sort of like a we're like a it's like a four-party transaction right it's 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 our customer and their user primarily. Yeah. Right. And then there's their users, address book provider, and then us sitting in the middle of all four, all three of them. Right. Facilitating this situation where one of a, a user, usually since, you know, your audience is an e-commerce audience, it's usually for, let's say a referral program. Um, they want to make it so that our customers want to make it so that their users can populate like a, field that's like a common separated list of email addresses of your friends or some way of getting email addresses of like for a referral email, they want to get those out of those address book providers, but they don't want to build all those integrations. They don't want to make a customer type everything one by one. They don't want to use a mail to link because it's got its own challenges. And so that's where we come in, in terms of creating like a, a super fluid experience that connects those users with whatever address book they're comfortable with, whatever they use and making it really easy for a Shopify store or a WooCommerce store to make to provide an interface for their user to to populate those those recipient lists.
0: So let's say I have a Shopify store, and I want my customers to share with their friends uh, referral links or gift codes, or something like that. You provide that. You put that on my site because I don't know how to code and I don't know how to do that. You guys put that on my site so my client can easily click on a button and it shares all of that. That's it.
1: Uh not exactly. But you'll you'll probably on your Shopify store or your WooCommerce store, you'll probably already have like the referral thing that's dealing with the rewards and the fraud. And you know, you'll be using something like friend buy or conjured referrals or Automate Woo or Viral Loops, or there, there's a whole industry of referral program platforms that manage the actual, like, the referral part and the emails yes. that go out and all that stuff. We don't do that stuff, right? What, what we do is we are, like, an add-on for all of those things that optimizes the email entry field. Like, literally that one field for all of those platforms, like, you don't want your user to have to type in their friend's email addresses. Exactly. Because if hopefully they've got one email address memorized, but most people don't. So immediately yeah. you're going to lose them. They're going to open another tab. Or they're going to go to a different computer or look at their phone. They're going to do something that is friction, that's annoying and, and error prone in order to populate that field with their friend's email addresses, right? And if they're on a mobile phone, they're, they're not going to have the patience to do 10 or 20 or 50 of them. It's just not going to happen. The only way to get some real performance out of a field like that is to make it convenient and let's let people select people out of their address book. Right. And so that's where we live. That's our job. That's our entire company is focused on the problem of making it super easy for people to take the contact out of their address book and use them on, on our customers' websites. In this case, we're talking about referral programs. Uh, but sometimes that's populating a CRM or, you know, populating recipient list for a wedding registry or a, Christmas card or something like that. There's other use cases for why this data is useful, but just in the, in the e-commerce like industry or vertical, the most common one is for these referral programs. They're currently anybody listening who has a referral program, probably they've got more than likely what they have is either a field where their users are expected to type a common separated list of email addresses or they've got a useless envelope icon Mm. that people click and it launches an email client mail to link. Yes. Nobody uses, right. And, And there's totally untrackable and it's useless. And so basically we take those two things and we provide alternatives that are 10, 20, 50 times better.
0: now, so this, it doesn't have the, any of the affiliate capabilities. This is just for the email purposes, right? So Uh, As, let's say, a Shopify store owner, I have these referral programs that are already there. So this is going to allow the customer to just enter the, like, I don't know, the 500 emails that they have. They still have to log in, of course, right? And then all these emails will be now given to my referral app to send.
1: Yeah, we have a we have a, a JavaScript uh, widget or UI component that we call the contact picker. It looks kind of like what you've seen on your phone before, where when you're looking at your, when you're like scrolling through your contacts and it's got the, you know, the alphabet down the right margin. Yes, yes. You can like tap on the alphabet to jump to, you know, the person that you're looking for, whatever. And there's a search field at the top. It looks like that, except it lives on a normal website, right? And it makes it so that, you know... It, if a user on an e-commerce store really wants to earn a reward by inviting some of their friends, they can, you know, give the store permission to read their contacts that all through cloud sponge. And then it gets displayed in the contact picker. And I don't recommend to enable the feature to select all because that's kind of spammy and yeah. just generally like breaks the golden rule. In my opinion, there's a couple situations where, I would let it go, but most of the time, certainly in e-commerce, I would disable the select all option because I don't think it's fair. <laughs> I don't think it's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so you wouldn't do that, but you would basically give that user a nice interface where they can search for all their friends one by one, either by scrolling through the alphabet or by searching for them in a search field. And they select the people that they think are actually a good customer or good potential customers for the e-commerce store. And, and then once they're done making their selections, whether it's one or 50 or however many, right, then they just submit the contact picker. It goes away and now they're back on the Shopify or the WooCommerce site and the field is all populated with everybody they selected, which is without something like a contact picker, it's literally impossible for that form to perform as well as it does with the contact picker. It's basically a mandatory fun f- feature for, for good performance.
0: Nice. You know what? You reminded me of when you said the the feature that allows to share to all. That's the early days of LinkedIn. When uh, when we first logged into LinkedIn, it would it would connect to our was it the Outlook or whatever email, and it would store all our contacts. Uh, but LinkedIn at that time, they didn't care about the spam rules. It was like sent to everybody, and I had friends that I didn't know. They were getting emailed technically by by well, it was LinkedIn, but through me connect with Quinn or whatever. Uh and I had friends that would say, Man, you gotta stop sending those emails. Stop. It was every day. Yep. <laughs> I'm not sending anything. But. Yeah, there was a lawsuit, a class action
1: against LinkedIn for that. They're actually like a real example that gets cited pretty often in, in the referral marketing industry. Um, because they got in trouble basically not necessarily for ingesting the address book because their user gave them permission to do that, Mm -hmm. right? What they got in trouble for was creating ghost profiles for all those people and then sending all those people like reminders Uh and emails, right? They, They basically like, They took it too far. They took growth hacking too far, and they got in trouble for it. Uh, Ultimately, a a slap on the wrist from a monetary perspective, right? But a really good example of what not to do, right? Like in these situations, certainly for anybody listening that's like GDPR sensitive or you know you know know, CCPA and the other different um, you know privacy uh, regulations, is like you got to do what your user is asking you to do. Your user is asking you to send an email to their friend. They're giving you their friend's email address and they're asking you, can you please send my friend a coupon or a, a, you know, a email telling them that if they buy something, they'll get money off and I'll get some money off my next order or whatever. is like a customer retention tool is usually where it fits in. Right. And, um, and then stop, just do what your customer asked you to do. <laughs> hmm. Don't put that email address in your database. Don't send reminders. Don't, put it on your mailing list like don't do all this stuff that basically follow the golden rule right don't do things with those email addresses that that your users trusted you with that you wouldn't want to have done with your email address right um and then if it's still okay for you as a merchant to tell your users hey by the way like you can send another email now if you want to and encourage them to do that but have it be an action where you're actually sending those emails because your user is asking you to do it, mm-hmm. but not something that's happening in the background, right?
0: So that when when they upload those emails now, let's say it's my store, who has access to them? Only that person that owns them or as a store owner, will I have access to those emails too?
1: Uh, so it's just basically in the browser. So it comes from, let's say Google contacts. Yeah into the user's browser and then they interact with their address book inside their own browser, right? And, and then when they submit that contact picker, it's obliterated, it's not on CloudSponge servers, it's not in their browser anymore, like it's gone. And the emails that were sent to the, to the Cloud Sponge customer, the, 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 the Shopify or the WooCommerce store, they just basically get the email addresses that were selected, the ones that the user agreed to share, right? And they are populated and then it's you know at that point it's up to the merchant to uh, to you know be a good actor, right? To behave respectfully. Got
0: it. Right. Got it. Okay, that, that's perfect. So yeah. basically if they wanted to do it again tomorrow, they would they would re-upload their list. Right. Yeah, okay. the user
1: would they would they would have to come back and do it again. And yeah, there's no there's no memory there. Um everything is obliterated as soon as the user closes the, the contact picker.
0: Now, one of the things I think about is now it's getting harder to get anybody these days to share, to share anything, right? Uh, so unless it's a cat video or some hate message, those things get, get shared like, like there's no, no tomorrow. But if, if it's something to to help, I don't know, to, to help my business, to help somebody else's business, those things don't tend to be shared that often. So. What are the incentives that you've been seeing to work out the best?
1: Yeah, you, usually um, the one that seems to be the pattern, right? And this is, you know, definitely different for every every brand, I think. Everybody needs to kind of find their own recipe here. But the basic building blocks are two-sided referral programs, which means you're, you're – the person that you're referring is is receiving some kind of discount, right? Yeah. They're receiving, let's say, like a 10% off coupon or something, right? Uh, and then when that person makes a purchase and uses that coupon, the sender, the referrer, will then get store credit for a next purchase. And that's where the retention part comes in, where it's like, cool, now I've got store credit. I can go buy some more stuff at this store, right? Because I'm sure everybody in the in the audience knows, like, anything you can do to get repeat customers lowers all of your acquisition costs pretty dramatically if you can create a really like reliable machine for that, right? And so those double-sided referral programs, usually they're monetary. Usually they're attached to a transaction as being the trigger for them, like, like a sale, right? But not always, right? You can get creative with it, but that's kind of the first building block. Um, And then the ones that we see doing really well occasionally maybe a couple times a year they'll do like a referral contest they'll and they'll they'll create like a crazy prize right okay, okay. Be like a $3000 macbook pro or something for whoever refers the most friends right and th- those kinds of things like when some, when it's a prize that somebody really wants and it's a really valuable prize and you, it's kind of a customer acquisition comes out of the customer acquisition budget right um then that's where people are really motivated and they really need to be able to use their address book. They really need to go and they want to select all. They want to they want to do that thing to, you know, to 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 get as many of those, you know, possible referrals out there so that they can win that prize, right? It's generally not something I see like a really generous prize like that being um like a a standing thing that's just always there. It's usually a seasonal reward or a yeah. seasonal contest, I mean. Um <clears throat>
0: Okay, I've been, I've done one of those uh, where the, um, the the main prize was actually a vehicle, so people got really interested and they really started to to participate. Now, now, can you you can't just all only use email, right? Can you also do social media share in, in the same way? Um. Yeah, you, you certainly
1: can. We have we have sort of another line of products that we call the better sharing. It's a little bit more, it has more functionality than just a contact picker, right? It's mm-hmm. got some of those like sharing functionalities for for social media. Um, but one of the things that is important to know about the contact picker is that you get, our customers get everything in the person's address book, right? So, this, like, so they get first name and last name and email address. And if there's multiple email addresses, the user can select which one they want. If there's phone numbers, they can share that as well for if you want to do SMS campaigns, which has its own complications, but it's certainly something that is a part of the payload that comes along with the contact picker, right? Our job our job is to, is to be a data processor and be a, a sort of a simplification layer, an abstraction layer between all these address book sources and the end uh, use case. And so we provide everything, um, and if there's some sharing functionality that a merchant wants that involves, um, you know, friends' phone numbers, then that kind of thing can absolutely be built on top of the contact picker.
0: All right. So, Jay, one of the things I always wanted was to be a software developer. I've always wanted that, but I have a focus problems. So I could never study long enough to do that. And I know there's a lot of math involved And the last time I studied was accounting, financial calculation and economics, and I cannot stand numbers and uh, anything that requires my concentration. So I don't know how to code anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if I have this Shopify store or let's say a WooCommerce uh, store, and I want to use your Cloud Sponge, uh, Cloud sponge services, um, is it like I click a couple buttons and it's installed, or do I need to know code?
1: Uh, both. Uh, you don't need to know code. If you do know code, we've got all kinds of documentations and walkthroughs for anybody that's at the level of you know, being able to manipulate HTML and JavaScript because pretty much that's where you do all the configurations. Um, But for somebody that is more of a no code, like a little bit more of a, like a configuring kind of layer, uh, we have WordPress plugin for WooCommerce with some add-ons for Automate Woo and and like wishlist plugins and things like that, that are, you know, just kind of point and click and, and, you know, paste your key and relatively straightforward stuff like that. Um, And for Shopify, same thing. We've got some, you know, some Shopify modules that are very easy to integrate. And partners, because like I said earlier, we don't act like the, the the contact picker in the address book is kind of useless by itself. It needs to be attached to some kind of mechanism, some delivery mechanism, like a referral program or a you know a mailing list thing or whatever, right? <clears throat> and so we have partners that are excellent at probably what you would want to use. So for example, FriendBuy is one of our partners. They're huge in Shopify. At uh, Conjured Referrals, another Shopify. Um, company that um, a lot of referral programs are based off of. And for those guys, like, once you get their referral program software set up and they have people that will help you do that, um, then you just plug in a CloudSponge key and it'll enable a contact picker. And basically, they've already done, you know, in concert with our engineers at CloudSponge, they've already done the, all the work for you. And all you really need to do is, you know, purchase a license and paste a key and it's all up and running. Okay, gotcha.
0: So it would be also, I would imagine, like, friend pick, it would also be in their best interest if any of their clients were using your service because then they would have now each client, instead of just typing, like, you know how lazy everybody is, like, they wouldn't type things, but they would have the advantage of now everybody having 100 or 50 or thousands of emails automatically uh, so do they refer your services as well as as you download something like Friendpick? uh yes yeah, so,
1: so it depends right we would love for that entire vertical to you know email me and ask me if they can be partners with us like we you know unfortunately we can't do all the work by ourselves it needs to be a, a collaboration yeah. uh, but the, the ones that we do have are exactly what you're talking about. They're all great. They all depend on it. They all love it. Some of them will include a cloud sponge license with their license so that their customer knows nothing about us. And we're just completely white labeled and we get paid on the back end from the partner, right? Others have more of a bring your own key kind of a module of a integration style where you get their product and then if you want to enable the contact picker functionality you go get your own key from CloudSponge and bring it over and paste it somewhere right um and we're comfortable doing all kinds of different integration uh strategies with you know sort of whatever makes sense for the partner uh, but they're, they're not all the same right we're not we're not too prescriptive about that we're more you know collaborative and 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 happy to to do a little bit of refactoring and engineering to to make something work for one of our partners
0: so as as the person that is uploading their contacts uh, when they go to do so, do they have any message that takes away their fear of if I upload my list, now these people are going to own it and do whatever they want. So is there any message that tells them we will not, you know, we will not use your emails that this is just for your own use? I Whenever
1: I get a chance I always recommend that. It's not something that would be in our interface, right? That's up to our customer to sort of provide that trust signal and and have it in their privacy policy and sort of transparently display how they're going to use this data, right? Um, But absolutely what you're suggesting is something that we always suggest when uh, we do our annual consultations with our customers. We go and we look at their sites and then we look at their data like, it, like one of the one of the metrics on every customer's cloud sponge dashboard like when they log into their cloud sponge account is their abandonment rate which means somebody on your site you know expressed some interest in sharing their contacts and then at some point they got spooked and they just changed their minds <laughs> and they stopped and they never actually you know got to the point where they had authenticated and given uh, given your site permission to see their contacts right and so we know uh, because we've been doing this for a long time we know sort of what is the what is the sort of acceptable abandonment rate for a certain use cases every use case is different right like a abandonment rate for an e-commerce referral is obviously going to be higher than the abandonment rate for a wedding registry use case, right? Yeah. Imagine you're a bride and you just filled up a shopping cart with like $20,000 worth of things. And your next task is to send that to your 200 wedding guests, right? Obviously the address book functionality is very, very useful for you in that situation, right? Versus a, you know, a referral comma separated list for a a ten dollar discount, maybe not. Maybe your 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 conviction isn't quite so high, right? Um, so if we see higher abandonment rates in some situations, sometimes it's okay, sometimes it's not. Uh, but when we when we see something that seems like it's a little bit out of range from what is normal, then that's one of the things I always look for. I'm like, how are you demonstrating to your users that they can trust you with the data that they're about to share with you, <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, are you sufficiently motivating them to do it? Do they have enough reason to do it, right? And then are you making sure that they trust you by being transparent about what you're going to do and what you're not going to do, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I figured trust would be number one. And then to in order to bypass the trust, you wouldn't even need a, a lot of motivation or at least a big motivator. Right? It wouldn't be the $10 by itself. Uh, for example, I looked at your your site, and you have a live demo. And when I the first thing I went, I went directly to the button where it says upload your thing to check it out. Uh, and then I thought about it, What where are my contacts going? So I went back and I saw you have the message. Don't worry, we're never going to save your contacts to our disk. We're not going to do anything with them. I'm like, okay, that's that's cool. Uh, if the message wasn't there, I would be suspicious. No, no, I'm not saying of you, but of any site that I w- that I didn't know what they would do with my friends' emails, right? So yep. I-, I figured that is important. Very. So now tell me another thing. Where did where the name come from, Cloud Sponge? <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a. Uh...
1: It's getting a little dated now, right? Like you got to sort of try to rewind your memory to 2009. Oh, wow. Things were a lot different back then, right? And, um, you know, the that's when we started the company, right? And the, the retail consumers in 2009 were just kind of starting to get comfortable with the cloud, right? Like prior to that, your contacts were inside Outlook for desktop, right? Yeah. Or they're inside your Mac, you know, eye contacts or whatever they called it back yeah. then, right? In, in and SIM like, cards. Yeah, they're like on your computer. They weren't just in the cloud somewhere. Like you were, you know, it was the whole idea of the cloud for your photos and your contacts and other stuff was still controversial. It was still not. It was still something that regular people weren't necessarily comfortable with, and at that time, right. And so the the original, the original sort of seed, the idea for the company um, was to create a consumer product, a retail product for basically capturing a copy of your data in the cloud so that you could burn it to a disc and put mm-hmm. it in your shelf with the rest of your DVDs and burnt CDs and stuff, wow. right? Yeah, Because that, that was kind of what we did back then, right? Uh, And so the idea was a cloud copy where like, look, I know you don't trust Google cloud yet, or or you don't trust the, you know, your photos and, you know, Flickr or whatever it was back then, you know, but we're going to provide a service that you can pay for so that you, if you give us your, you know, credentials to log into your account, we're going to suck it all out of the cloud and put it into like a standardized format and save it somewhere so that you have it. So that if, if the cloud vanishes one day, which is obviously the thing everybody was so I'm consciously concerned about. Yeah, you'll still have your data, right? Um, and so we started down that path in, like I said, 2009, and Cloud Sponge seemed like a really appropriate name for that. Yeah. Right. Makes some sense, right? Sponging out of cloud. Uh, and as we built through it, uh, we built the first module. We built was the contacts because that was the thing that we felt people were going to immediately want to pay for it because it had real tangible value, right? Uh, The next thing after that was going to be photos. Um, And as we built the technology required to integrate with all the different places where people stored their contacts and bring it all together and, and normalize it and sort of went through that. We basically discovered that there was other reasons to do that. And that's where we ended up sort of pivoting and taking a path where we are now with the contact picker, because, you know, as developers, you know we're reading through these forums and stack overflow and experts exchange back then and google you know developer forums and all kinds of stuff and we're seeing tons and tons of other developers building similar integrations right and all of them they all had the and they didn't have the use case that we were building for their use case all these other developers that we were sort of side by side with in these conversations mm-hmm. they're all building contact pickers and ways to like ingest address books for the, like you like the LinkedIn use case for like social network, finding all your friends really quickly and, so, you know, inviting people and that kind of stuff. Like open inviter was a pretty active open source, uh, PHP project back then. Um, and so it was, it was just something that, um, we decided that the original vision to create a retail product for sponging your data from the cloud and helping you save a copy of it locally, uh, was less interesting than building this B2B software so that we could sell something to all these other developers that probably didn't actually want to build these integrations themselves, mm-hmm. right? So we did it once, and then we basically pitched it to to these communities. And those people were all of our initial customers back in 2010.
0: So they started kind of as a competition, and they ended up becoming clients, right?
1: Kind of, yeah, I mean, it was something that they all wanted. They wanted the functionality, but they had other things to do. and we and then eventually we were just like, wow, we already we, we already built this. So let's just like you know make a website out of it and pitch it to these guys and you know answer everybody's questions in these forums and let them know, hey, we got an API for this if you want to come use our API. And you know enough people were delighted to not have to do it themselves and and really happy to to use you know a vendor like us. Uh, that you know we were able to turn turn it into a you know a thriving business
0: I, I can tell you right now that i have in the past been on sites where uh there is some sort of compensation for sharing something but because i would have to go to my hotmail or my gmail copy and paste one at a time uh, i i didn't do it right yeah. so th- that site obviously lost what who I was going to share with? Because uh, I definitely wouldn't be there. Like I actually even remember a site where you could only have one contact at a time. So it would be copy and paste one email, copy and paste that message, send. Go like not a chance. So yeah, um,
1: yeah. No, we're 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 here to solve that problem, and we're we're doing a great job at it already. The other thing that's really interesting about about that is, you know, in order for the, the e-commerce store to personalize that email that they're going to send to you, on, excuse me, on my behalf, yeah. they, would need to, they would need to basically multiply the friction and make me type in your name and your email address,
0: right? Exactly.
1: Because ideally... If they want you to actually open the email, they want to mention your name and my name in the email, right? That's just basic email personalization 101, right? Yep. But it's not practical to do that at, at the expense of making your users type more data and making it even harder than it already is. Right. And so what one of the things that's great about the the address book and the contact picker is that that date you get all the data. You get when I, when I look at my address book in in the contact picker and I select you, it's got your name, your first name, last name, email address, anything else that I've stored in your contact record already populated, right? So then with the appropriate amount of engineering by one of our partners or with one of our plugins, the email that you receive can say my name in the from field and your name in the subject line. And it can feel like, wow, like this this isn't just like some spam email from a store I've never heard of. This is a interesting email from my friend, Jay, that is mentioning my name, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the open rates are way better and the conversion rates are way better if you use the address book payload to personalize the referral
0: email. Exactly. And then the, the way you store that contact, so if it's your friend, for example, Jay, if I have a nickname for you, I, and I've saved it in my contacts, that's what's going to show up, right? Yeah. It's going to be something like, yo, bro, or something, right? That, <laughs> if that's what I'm calling you. So that right. would make it more personal, of course. Uh, and, and, yeah, that is uh, email, email marketing 101.
1: Right. So, yeah. everybody Everybody listening knows how important email personalization is. But I think most people think about it in terms of the emails that the company is sending to their own customers. And not many people really think about the personalization of referral emails, where it's a, where it's your customer sending an email to a lead or to a prospect, right? And and what kind of personalization um, dynamic variables can be inserted into those emails, especially with uh, the additional payload of an entire address book to work with? Definitely.
0: Yep. So, Jay. For those that are listening and they want to know more, where did they go?
1: We'll. we'll get, I'm going to make. Uh, it might already exist, but we're going to make a landing page for your guests. It'll be just slash uh, qa uh, cool. You can put it in the show notes for me. Um, I will. And that page will have um, everything you need to know. Basically, contact information and there's this, we have a, a really cool PDF that's like a. It's kind of like a self-assessment of your sharing functionality on your site to sort of take an inventory and an audit of, of all the different word of mouth functionality that we know is important or that we've seen work for other e-commerce businesses. And that's just an email address. You just put in your email and a PDF will get sent
0: to you, right? Um, and that'll be right there on cloudspunge.com slash QA. There you go. So, so guys, I'll have that on the show notes. It's going to be cloudsponge.com forward slash QA. Uh, I'll also have your Twitter, uh, which is twitter.com forward slash cloud sponge. And of course that's easy to remember. So Jay, um, anything any other links I should have I should have for everybody or this is it?
1: Yeah, we'll try to make it easy. Let's just keep it all there and, and we'll make sure that if you go to that page, everything you need is there. There's going to, There'll be contact information and you know probably a link to the the recording of the podcast and all that kind of stuff. So it'll all be right there.
0: Awesome. Jay, thank you so much. And uh, I hope everybody goes there and checks it out. Great.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Quinn. It's been, been, been a good chat. Thank you. It's a pleasure.